Hey, hey! Merry Christmas, everyone. It is so good to see you and, and spend this day together. Would you do me a favor? Would you at all of our campuses, just put your hands together and welcome everyone at all of the campuses. I'm talking about New Hope Garner, New Hope Sanford. I'm talking about New Hope Hillsboro. I'm talking about New Hope Kenya. I'm talking about New Hope Online, which is literally thousands and thousands of you. And of course, I'm talking about New Hope Durham. Welcome to our Christmas services 2020. And um, hey, I just feel led. I got to follow the Holy Spirit here. I just feel a prompting to just uh, let you know, right? Like today, we're celebrating Christmas, right? What comes after Christmas? New Year's, and if you're like most people, here's what some of you are doing. You're making New Year's resolutions, and uh, I'm probably not speaking to those of you who are at a campus, maybe to those of you who are online, or if you're at a campus and you just came because it's Christmas, can I just encourage you to put at the top of your New Year's resolutions, be in the house of the Lord on Sundays. What do you say? We got room to socially distance. Now, if you just, like, like you just can't do it, it's okay. We love you. We'll still serve you online. But listen, I believe the mark of a new year is a time for us to say enough is enough. We're gonna be in the house of the Lord. Socially distanced, masked up, but ready to honor God in the house of the Lord. You do with that what you want. Um, here's why you came. You came to hear the gospel good news. Luke 2 10 through 12. What does it say? Do not be what? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. You got mask on. You sound a little muffled. Everybody at all the campuses is really loud. One, two, three. Good news. That's much better. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David... A savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. There's something about Christmas. Have you ever noticed this? Christmas, we count down to Christmas. 25 days to Christmas. 10 days to Christmas. When I walk Abbey about every afternoon, I walk down this street. It's this beautiful street where houses are lovely decorated. And there's this house uh, that they have this countdown on their porch. And I gotta tell you, I've actually been enjoying it because every night I go and it reminds me, here it is, it reminds me how many days are left before Christmas? Like, we don't count down for other things. Like, we don't say, five days till Thanksgiving. <laughs> Nobody said, four days till Benji's birthday, right? right? We, we don't, we, we, but we count down to Christmas. And I found that when it comes to counting down, there are two kinds of people here, two groups of you. If you're older, and I say older, I mean any kind of parent, you're probably of the mindset when you hear the countdown three days till Christmas, you're probably going, ah, right? The shopping's not done. The cookies aren't done. I got parties. I got all these. I want to go to church. You freak out, right? You want more time. If you're a young person, on the other hand, and you hear that, you're like three days till Christmas. You're like, oh, is it that long, right? I, I admit that when I was a kid, and there are young people at these services, so I, I realize I'm about to lead some of you astray. When I was a kid, I couldn't stand the anticipation. And so I was the kid who rummaged through the house until I found, and I knew, I figured it out, and, and they never changed it. I found where my parents hid all the Christmas gifts. 
And they would go out shopping or whatever, or parties or whatever, and I would play with the Christmas. They would wrap them sometimes and put them in that spot. I'm here to tell you, I would unwrap them and wrap them back up. I ruined the thrill of hope, right? The thrill of Christmas. So if you're a young person here, do not follow my example. I was a bad boy. Parents, you need to pick up your hiding game. I'm just saying. You probably need to pick it up a little bit after I just told that story. It's the thrill of hope. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a song towards the end of the service today, Oh Holy Night, and we're gonna sing about that thrill of hope. Do you remember how the lyric actually goes? A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And have you ever seen a year more wearisome, if you will, than 2020? And some of you are here today, and the truth is you're just weary. But I want to point out something because uh, like I said, we're going to sing that song at the end and, and then we're even going to have a silent night moment. But I want to just point out that the, the lyricist of Oh Holy Night points out that the weary world rejoices. Even in the midst of weariness, we are able to rejoice. I mean, 2020 has been the mother load of meltdown mode. Anxiety is up. Stress is up. Suicide is up. It's a weary world. And some of you are just weary today. And I am so glad you are here because that is where Christmas meets us in the midst of our weariness. But the question that maybe some of you are wondering and even if you've known God for some time, the beauty of Christmas is that it rolls around and we need to be solidified and reminded of this. Some of you are not sure what Christmas is all about. I mean, what, is it, what does it mean? What, what is the thrill of hope? Better, better yet, what is the good news of Christmas? I decided to get out in the community this week and so I went to a nearby mall and I decided to ask folks about Christmas. It confirmed everything I thought about the culture in which we live. Check it out. Hey, can I ask you guys a question or two about Christmas? It's a little freezing. It'll be super quick, I promise. Go. Okay, so Christmas is right around the corner and I'm just asking people tonight, what does Christmas mean to folks? What does it mean to you guys? Well, we don't celebrate Christmas. Okay. So it means this time of year more than it meaning anything. Yeah. Um, we celebrate Hanukkah, which is coming okay. up. You got anything? I got not much else <laughs> I got nothing. Um, just relaxing, having a day off work and just spending time with people I want to be with. Yeah. <laughs> time for family, friends, being thankful. Presents you? and family. Presents and family. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it means giving. It means the birth of Jesus and, um, Personally, it's just family time, getting together. Uh, I don't know. What in the world is Christmas mean to you? Not very much. I am Jewish. You're Jewish. Okay, thank you. May, I mean, obviously, the birth of Jesus. And yeah. From there, family time, eating good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say for me, though, it probably means more about spending time with family. Okay. More so than probably the focus on Jesus' birthday, which Probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, at least you're honest, right? 
uh, giving back, chilling with your family. Giving back. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Jesus. A what? Jesus. What is the good news of Christmas? You hear that phrase a lot. What do you think that means? The good news, the good of, Christmas? news of Christmas. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. I would I want to give an answer and not know. Um, I think for everyone it's different. Yeah. Like it could be a religious thing or just a spiritual thing, and it's just good news, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like the name. Um, I mean, it could it could be religious connotations, right? The birth of Christ. Yeah. What was it? The good news. The good news of Christmas. Um. I'm not sure. The good news of Christmas. I've literally never heard that before. Never heard that phrase. Never okay. heard that phrase. Yeah. How about you? Same thing as her? Yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking it's a time for appreciation. So. Appreciation. Yeah. So most sometimes people talk about the good news of Christmas. Does that does that resonate at all with you or, or not at all? No. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. What is it? Question. It's December, we got the lights everywhere. What in the world does Christmas mean to you? No? I mean, dude, it's it's Christmas. It's family. It's it is what it is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, I man. Mean, Appreciate. I, it. That's I, all. I, I got nothing. Sorry. I love that last dude, man. I want to have dinner with him. He's like, dude, dude. It's Christmas, dude. Why? And then do you hear what he said at the end? I got nothing. I knew we lived in a post-Christian culture, but that confirmed it. We left so many of the the takes on the the cutting floor, if you will. And I can't help but imagine that everybody here needs to be reminded, and some of you might need to be informed, what is the meaning of Christmas? Like, like when you boil it all down, what is the core of Christmas? I wanna take you to a passage that you won't typically see at Christmas, but it is an incredible Christmas passage. Colossians 1, if you look at your phone on your, or look at your Bible on your phone or your tablet, or if you brought your old school Bible, bring it on. But Colossians 1.15, out loud, church, everybody at all the campuses, really nice and strong, go. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Again, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The Bible is saying that, that that baby born in an animal stable on that holy night was not just any child. He was actually, get you some of this, let this sink in. He was the visible image of the invisible God. Now there, there are two thoughts that I've been hoping and praying will settle deep into your soul today and will stay there as you go home or maybe you're at home already and you celebrate December 25th this year. Two key thoughts that I wanna settle in. Here's the first one. God is with you. God is with you. In fact, I know it's a little awkward here, but I think it's just a good practice. Just look at your neighbor. You got a mask on and just tell them through the mask, say, God is with you. God is with you. And church, I got to tell you, as I have lived in 2020 and, and even as we all are aging and you know, time is flying, right? That bedrock truth is one of the most important truths you can live with in your life and make it personal. God is with you. God is with me. I 
talked about how time is flying, just, just by show of hands. How many of you were born in the 1990s or earlier? 1990s or earlier? I mean, we, you're, you're, we're old. We, we were born in the 1900s. Come on, lift them up again. I know we can't even hardly lift our arms up, right? Huh? Come on, huh? You, you are about to feel old. Those of you who just raised your hand with me, you're about to feel old. Check this out. Kids born in 2007 are now teenagers. What? Those born in 2001 have no recollection of 9-11 and are graduating from high school. Think about that for a moment. And none of them, <laughs> none of them have had the thrill of experiencing this lovely sound. Remember that? Young person, it's not the emergency broadcast network. Come on, come on, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. You've got mail. Oh my Lord. You don't know this young person? We could, we could try to, to, to dial up. Notice I didn't say log on. Dial up. We could go to lunch and come back. And we might not be logged on. If you are a young person here, when we sing that song, Oh Holy Night, later, and it says, fall on your knees, you should fall on your knees and thank God that he spared you of dial-up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, time is just flying by, right? Here's something these kids never know about. You, you didn't get to experience this. I was traveling last week and was kind of in some old stomping grounds and I saw a location where this was, this was located back in the day. I'm talking about this. Check it out. Remember this? Remember this? Remember those? That's the blockbuster. Remember, you, you would actually buy these VHS tapes or you'd rent them. You'd rent, the, there they are. Young person, I know you've never seen that. This, this was Friday night back in the day, baby. We would go, remember, remember we whip out that blue Blockbuster membership card? We'd rent out those VHS tapes, remember that? Remember this? We'd get some candy and some popcorn. Come on, that was Friday night, baby. Then we'd return them, and, 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 and Blockbuster back in the day had a slogan. Be kind and rewind, remember that? Y'all feel like, what you gotta rewind? Time is flying by. And yet something that never changes is the fact that God is the same. Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in a changing world, in a world where one thing is visible in this generation becomes quickly invisible in the next generation, it is so great to know that our God does not change. Can I get an amen? And it is so great to know that not only does he do not change, he is with me in the midst of it all. Look back at that verse that we started with just a moment ago. I just wanna point out something. Christ is the what? The visible, here's this key word, what? Image of the invisible God. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is really important. In the original language, that word for image in the Greek is actually icon. Icon, now you know what an icon is. You have them on your phone. You have them on your computers at home. We all know what icons are. We all know what movie icons are. We know what music icons are. But Jesus is the biggest icon of all who shows us 
what God is like. He is the ultimate epic icon, not the king of pop, but the king of kings. In fact, I would argue today, today to say that he is the most influential, single most influential person in all of history. You say, well, pastor, that is a bold thing to say in 2020. Exactly. What's 2020? 2020 what? 2020 years after the death of Christ. He didn't go to school, he was uneducated, never traveled far from his hometown, but he was by far the most influential person to ever grace planet Earth. Universities, great universities in our country were founded on, some of them have lost their way today, but they were founded on and started with the principles of Jesus and the Jesus movement. I'm talking about places like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Duke, William and Mary. Jesus taught us 2,000 years ago how to care for people who didn't have much. He ushered in this movement that taught us that those who have more should try and bless those who have less. And so we had great hospitals that would form under his principles and in his name. We had hospitals like St. Joseph's Hospital, St. Jude Hospital. We have things like the Salvation Army today, the Red Cross. He grew up and he died on the cross, the ultimate expression of goodness and holiness and the love of God the ultimate icon to show us that God is not only with you, God loves you. He spread his arms and said, I love you this much. Jesus is the defining mark of history. Can I get an amen? He is the hope of the oppressed. He is the comforter for all despairing and dying. He is the greatest teacher who has ever lived. He is the greatest mind who has ever thought. He offers the greatest gift that has ever been given. He is the iconic, visible image of the invisible God. And get this, he's with you. As near as the air we breathe, he is with you. Second thing, second thing I hope that just settles deep in the water table of your soul this Christmas season. Not only is he with you, God is for you. Now I gotta tell you again, in a year like 2020, I've never been more grateful for this central truth in all my life. God is for me. And you know, the truth is, many of us often treat God like he's Santa Claus. I was in the mall today and I, I didn't think Santa would be doing it this time of year, right? I thought Santa would be taking a break in 2020, man. There he is, Santa Claus. Had a mask on and everything. How appropriate for 2020. Kids were lined up with all their masks on and I thought, this is what we do. We treat God like he's Santa Claus. Come on, you, you might not think about it this way, but, but many of us do this without even thinking about it. We think that if we're good, God is for us. Come on, he's got a list. <laughs> he's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice. 
And if I'm naughty, God's not for me. But if I'm nice, God is for me. And we treat it. And wh- why that's so dangerous is because it quickly becomes some very poor theology. And then we hit a year like 2020 and everything seems to be sucker punching us. And we can start to conclude that God is not for us. God is against us. No. God. The iconic, invisible image of the invisible God is for you. That'll start a groundswell revolution in your soul. And that will give you the strength to make it through the tough times. Everyone at all of our campuses say, God is for you. It'll change your life. Speaking of Santa, you know, kids, kids during this time of the year, they write little notes to Santa. Maybe some of the kids here have, have written some. I stumbled across this the other day. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Dear Santa, <laughs> there are three little boys who live in my house. There is Jeffrey. He is two. There is David. He is four. There is Norman. He is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good most of the time. Norman is good all of the time. <laughs> I am Norman. <laughs> See, a lot of us are like that. We want to be good, so God is for us. No, 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 no. That's bad theology. Colossians 1, back to the Colossians text. For God, in all his what church? Fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. Well, how did he do that? How did he reconcile you and me and everything to himself? He did it on the cross. He didn't stay a baby. He grew and after 30 years as a man in his father's carpenter shop, he heard the voice call him. He stepped into ministry that would ultimately lead him to that cross where I said, he said, this is how much I love you. And he reconciled you and reconciled me as if to say forever, I am for you. What you did in the past, listen closely, what you did in the past is not nearly as important as what God did in the past. Hello. God sent his son Jesus to say he's with us. But God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to say, I am for you. One more verse, if you will. Verse 16 and 17. Everything was created through him and what? For him. He existed before anything else. And he holds, he holds what, church? All creation together. And if Jesus holds all creation together, he can hold you together. And thanks be to God, he can hold me together even in a year like this where we feel like we've been sucker punched with a virus and a quagmire, hotly debated presidential election and continued racial tension and strife, virtual learning, which come on, there's nothing more than homeschooling for all of us, right? All sense of normalcy gone. But I'm here to tell you 
that if he holds all creation together, that means he can hold you together. I started earlier and I talked about you might be weary. And in your weariness, you might be thinking that you're gonna fall apart. Listen, draw close to Christ. He is with you. Draw close to Christ. He is for you. And the fact that he is with us and the fact that he is for us and the fact that he holds all of creation together tells me, and I hope it will tell you today, that he is still holding you together. He will see you through whatever it is you're struggling with. He will. It is the thrill of hope that we're about to sing about. The thrill of hope. Remember what it says? The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The glorious morn is coming. But do you remember what it says after that? Remember what it says after that? Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. He still holds the world in the palm of his hand. And if you're anything like me, at times during this year, you've thought, I'm just dangling by a thread. It's in that moment where if you will turn your attention, if you will fix your gaze on Christ and remind yourself, preach to yourself, he is with me. When they say that about you, or they look down on you, or your boss scolds you, or your child disrespects you, you lift your eyes to heaven and you remember God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? He still holds you in the palm of his hand. And that, my friends, is good news. So we're gonna sing about it. We're gonna stand in a moment and we're gonna sing Oh Holy Night. And when that's over, we're gonna light a candle. And the campus pastors are gonna come out at the campuses and they're gonna light the light of Christ throughout our worship centers. And we're gonna sing Silent Night. But I want you to get it tonight. I want you to understand what's happening in this moment. You, God's creation, is experiencing the fact that God is with you and God is for you. And God is still holding it all together. And if that is the case, God is awesome with a capital A. Can I get an amen? God is magnificent with a capital M. God is capital G-O-D. And he is worthy of worship. You can read the Bible from start to finish. And throughout the Bible, it talks about who Jesus is. In Genesis... He is our creator. 
and promised redeemer. Let the church say amen. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is our ever-present guide with a cloud that guides us by day and a, come on, a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is our coming prophet. Oh, thanks be to God. Who is greater than Moses? In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. In Judges, they pronounce him as the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kingsman, redeemer. First and second Samuel says he is our shepherd king, king who rushes out to fight our giants. In first and second Kings, he is our righteous leader. In first and second Chronicles, he is the restorer of the kingdom. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the one who restores what is broken. That's a good word for 2020. He restores what is broken. Esther says that he is the protector of his people. In Job, he's our redeemer and healer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd who hears our cries. In Proverbs, he is our daily wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is the meaning for life. In the Song of Solomon, he is the author of faithful love. In Isaiah, he is the suffering servant and the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is our righteous one. In Lamentations, he is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man. In Daniel, the stranger in the fire who is with us. In Hosea, he is our faithful husband, even when we run away. In Joel, he is the restorer of all that the locusts had eaten. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he is the faithful missionary and messenger. In Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk, he is our reason to rejoice even when our fields are empty. Can you say 2020? In Zephaniah, he is our warrior who saves. Praise his holy Name. In Haggai, he is the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, he is the fountain flowing that takes away my sin. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness who brings healing. And beloved, I'm just in the Old Testament. Let the church say amen or clap. You want to hear about the New Testament? <laughs> yeah. In Matthew, he is the king of the Jews. In Mark, he is the son of God. In Luke, he is the savior who was born in the city of David. In John, he is the word who became flesh dwelling among us. In Acts, he is the spirit who dwells with his people. In Romans, he is the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the power and the love of God. In 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of what's to come. In Ephesians, he is our righteous armor. In Philippians, he is the joy of our lives. In Colossians, which we've been studying tonight, he is the firstborn of all creation. In 1 Thessalonians, he is our comfort in the last days. You say, are we living in the last days? You bet yourself we're living in the last days. He is our comfort. In 2 Thessalonians, he is our returning king. In 1 Timothy, he is the savior for the worst of sinners, of which I am one. In 2 Timothy, 
He is the leader of all leaders. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is our redeemer, restoring us unto service. In Hebrews, he is the great high priest. In James, he is the power behind our faith. In 1st and 2nd Peter, he is our living cornerstone. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he is the advocate pleading for us at the right hand of God the Father. In Jude, he is the foundation of our faith. And in the book of Revelation, he is the first and the last the beginning and the end and the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. He is Jesus. Here, get this. And he is with you. As near as the air you breathe, he is with you and he is for you. And those two Christmas truths will radically revolutionize your life. And he's worthy of your worship. As loud as you can sing, if you feel led to lift a hand or two, he's worthy. If you feel led to get on your knees, he's worthy. If you, get led, you feel led to sing as loud as you possibly can, don't worry, we're barely gonna hear you because you got a mask on. But he's worthy of everything you have. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, and he's with us. And he is for us. Will you pray with me? Father, Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the simple, powerful, profound gospel, good news message that you are with us and you're fighting for us. And in a year, oh God, that's been brutal. Nothing restores my faith, reinstills a sense of purpose and passion than those two truths. Father, would they settle deep into the soul of every person here? God, I know we're all fighting major battles these days. Would you be so close to us? Would we draw near to you? Would we experience your presence, your Emmanuel, God with us? like never before. And Father, when the world beats us up and we feel that we're getting down and our feelings or emotions or people are looking down on us or we're just down on ourselves, Father, would we be renewed and restored and empowered by the truth that the God of the universe the ultimate icon, the visible image of the invisible God is for me. And I know believers right now are ready to stand to their feet and sing out. But it would be remiss of me to leave this moment right here, right now. For the person or the 
persons online or at any of our campuses who've never received the Christmas gift of Jesus. If that's you and you wanna give your life to Christ tonight, without any further ado, I'm just gonna ask you to do something bold. Just raise your hand, just lift it up so I can pray for you. The campus pastors and folks at the campuses can pray for you. Just raise your hand up if you wanna receive the gospel tonight. Amen, amen. Father, thank you for these that have lifted their hands. Maybe folks are online and, and they're bowing, they're kneeling or they're raising a hand. Just, if that's you, why don't you pray a simple prayer that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, I need you. I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. So I come to you now and I ask you to come into my life, help me experience your presence and help me follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, yeah, hey, if you're there, we have some hands pop up here at the Durham campus. If you're at any of the campuses or online and you just received Christ, raising your hands or not, here's how our church feels about you right now. Come on, church, let them know. We celebrate you. We welcome you into the family of God. I'm gonna invite the bands to come out now at all the campuses as we sing that great Christmas carol. Oh, holy night. And as you sing tonight, I want you to pay close attention to the words. Will you do that? Pay close attention to the words and, and think about what you're singing. And let it come from your heart. Forget about what's still left to do before Christmas morning. Forget about 2020 for a moment. Draw near to the God who is with us and for us. And let's worship him. Stand to your feet if you would.